Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. Where on this week's episode, we are going to be looking to start at the Los Angeles Clippers and how they could potentially be one of the worst teams uh, next season and how this season and this playoffs could impact their future for years to come. So let's uh, get started and let's go uh, into it. So for the Clippers, they've had two sort of, um, you know, groups that had success with Lob City, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. They had Doc Rivers, and that was sort of group number one. They had some playoff success, but nothing great. They were kind of up and down for the most part and never really materialized into a championship roster. They had J.J. Redick for a little bit, Paul Pierce in the end of his career, uh, some other pieces, but it wasn't anything special. And then kind of pieces moved around and eventually we get the Los Angeles Clippers, which is the group we're kind of seeing today, which started kind of with Patrick Beverly and it was Lou Williams before he was traded and Montrez Harrell before he became a Laker. And now you have Kawhi, Paul George, um, Serge Ibaka's in there, Marcus Morris. And there are a bunch of pieces that, on paper, make them a good team. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly, Serge Ibaka, Rondo, Zubach, Luke Kennard, and Nicholas Batum are all guys who get solid minutes and are sort of part of this core group of, of players. But it did come at a cost, which... Um, a lot of people, you know, obviously, um, you have to uh, realize, um, you know, they traded away a lot to get Paul George, and they've traded a lot just in general to make this team what it is. And while they're a good team, they have some flaws, and we could see some changes coming in a big way. Now, basically, the Clippers, when they made the Paul George trade, did that specifically because they added Kawhi Leonard as a result, and they had two of the best you know, combos, uh, small forward uh, shooting guard guys, or I guess in Kawhi's case, small forward power forward guys. But they're both, you know, all-stars, and Kawhi Leonard is going to be a Hall of Famer, and Paul George will have uh, a lasting career in the NBA, whether he's in the Hall of Fame or probably not. But either way, they're both great. And you already had great players, and you just kind of filled up your roster as so. But if, for some reason it goes south in this year's playoffs goes south there is the fact that you know Kawhi Leonard has a player option next year which in theory makes him potentially a free agent yes 36 million is a lot of money but let's say things go wrong and they lose in the first round maybe Kawhi Leonard decides yeah, I don't know if I want to do this right he was there Doc Rivers was the head coach last year they lost to Denver in a pretty terrific or I should say horrific way um, they just couldn't get it done they lost uh, a lead, and, you know, Doc Rivers was the only real casualty in this, and Steve Ballmer was like, okay, we're gonna stick with our guys and just kind of go with a different head coach. Now, Tyron Lue is no different to me than Doc Rivers. He might be a worse head coach, in my opinion, uh, but, you know, if Kawhi Leonard's like, okay, we're, we tried this, it's not working, he might decide to go somewhere else, and Miami had been looking at the Giannis uh, free agency class, uh, and he was, you know, Miami was looking at some superstars. They got money. Kawhi Leonard could, in theory, go to Miami with, you know, Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero and Bam. They could go to, he could go to Dallas and, you know, join Luka and Porzingis. Um, there are other places he could go as well. Um, New York Knicks, to be honest, um, if they decide, hey, we got Julius Randle, we got R.J. Barrett, let's go out there and, 
you know, add Kawhi Leonard. Let's say the Celtics decide we're done with Kemba and we trade Kemba to New York for whatever assets they can acquire. And then they're like, let's get Kawhi Leonard. And then you have Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Kemba, and Kawhi Leonard. That's a pretty good starting group. So this is a big year and a big playoffs for the, the Clippers because if Kawhi Leonard leaves, you have Paul George who makes $39 million, which you could find suitors for him. And there's teams out there that would take on Paul George because he is uh, still a very, very good player. Um, but you'd still have Marcus Morris who makes $15 million. You have Patrick Beverly, Rondo. You'd have Zubac. You'd have Luke Kennard who makes $12 million. And then Ibaka has a player option, which maybe he'll accept that, maybe not. Um, if they're going in the wrong direction, though, I don't see him accepting that at all. So um, you would still be left with a lot of money, um, and you'd still have a lot of contracts under the books. And m much worse than that is that, uh, you know, you don't have all your draft picks because OKC owns most of them. So you do have, you know, pick swaps uh, where you'll get a pick out of that, most likely your own. But it'll be every other year, so you'd be, until I think like 2027, you won't even have like your own pick unless it's, you know, in an uh, every other year situation. So if you tried to be one of the worst teams in the NBA and just kind of let's rebuild, which I don't know if that's Steve Ballmer's uh, plan, you wouldn't, you know, get a top 10 pick every single year you'd get one and then you have a year where they get your pick and then you get another and etc and who knows if your pick is better than okc's they could swap you know if three years from now okc is a team fighting for the playoffs and you're a team that's at the bottom you could get the seventh pick okc could get the 15th pick and you could swap and get the 15th pick when you uh, should have the seventh or you could get at some point the number one overall pick and well sorry that's going to okc and you're getting their 23rd pick so you know, they're in a tough spot because they don't have their own draft picks. They don't have all of their, you know, assets um, in that department. And if Kawhi Leonard leaves, your team's not that good. So I guess um, the question now becomes if Kawhi Leonard does leave, which I don't think he will, but you never know how things go if this playoffs goes awry. What do they do? Where do they go from here? So I would say Paul George is the first one to get moved and... There's a whole host of places that I could see him going. I could see Portland throwing an offer out. Um, I could see um, a team like Dallas, although they don't have all their draft picks, which might be uh, a problem. I could see the New York Knicks as a uh, spot for Paul George as well, if that's somewhere he wants to go, or Miami. Um, Miami could trade away draft picks and some young players, and, you know, they could have um, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Paul George uh, trifecta, which wouldn't be that bad. Um, we could see him go to um, the Golden State Warriors if, uh, let's say, Kawhi Leonard is leaning towards, oh, I'm going to leave. Well, maybe we could see Andrew Wiggins in that Minnesota pick get traded for Paul George, and you could add in maybe like Kayvon Looney just a salary match. Then you have Steph Clay, Paul George, Draymond Green, and James Weissman, which that's that's a deadly team. So if Paul George is on the market, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yes, Andrew Wiggins is playing great in Golden State, but there's a chance they could get Paul George. Giving up a draft pick, yeah, he's a young guy. They want to win now, and Paul George helps them win now. 
he could take Andrew Wiggins' place. You got Clay Thompson coming back healthy, Steph Clay, and um, Eric Pascal or Draymond Green in the power forward position. You could be uh, looking at a good spot. I mean, you could also, in theory, trade away uh, Weissman if you needed to, uh, A, for salary matching, and B, just because maybe that's what they want. If you're like, okay, I don't want to trade away my Minnesota pick, I'll give you guys Weissman instead and do Andrew Wiggins and James Weissman and maybe the Golden State pick of their own. Who knows? Um, but Paul George would probably have to be the first piece gone, and you'd have to get what you can um, in that one. And then you have Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly, who are both making around $14-15 million. You'd have to deal with that. Marcus Morris makes... About 15 this year, 16 uh, and 17, um, you know, and, you know, that's not that bad. Um, his contracts uh, will be out in 2024, uh, 2025 season um, is the first year off of that contract. 23-24 is the last year, um, obviously. Um, and then Patrick Beverly is just a one year after this season, so he's a little bit easier to swallow. But you'd probably have to move on from Marcus Morris and... You'd, you know, have to find a better spot for him. Maybe if they don't go after Paul George, you could do a sign-and-trade Marcus Morris for Kelly Oubre if, let's say, Los Angeles wants to go in a different direction. They want someone who's younger. And um, maybe Golden State wants Marcus Morris because he can play the small forward and the power forward. Maybe he's your starting power forward and Draymond comes off the bench and you have like Draymond and Eric Pascal as your two bench bigs, and you have James Weissman and Marcus Morris as your two starting bigs. But the Clippers could be going from one of the best teams in the West to one of the worst teams in the West because of, you know, the Kawhi Leonard situation, the fact that they don't have a lot of young players. Their bench is average um, outside of Nicholas Batum and Luke Kennard and um, Ibaka and Rondo, which most of those guys, except for, I guess... Um, Kennard are um, older and so you'd be in a tough spot and you wouldn't have your own draft picks you'd be kind of uh, stuck with that uh, situation so hopefully things work out this offseason or at least during the playoffs so that Quiet Leonard doesn't consider all his options and maybe he doesn't uh, go somewhere else because I think that would be a, a tough blow for uh, your team specifically and I mean yeah it wouldn't be a good situation. Then we are going to be looking at a team that could have a very bright future ahead of them and, more importantly, um, you know, could go from being one of the worst teams in the NBA to one of the best in the NBA. So that right there is the Oklahoma City Thunder. So while the Clippers, as I just mentioned, could be trending downwards, I think the Oklahoma City Thunder could be trending in the upwards direction. And so... If you look at Oklahoma City, they have a bunch of things going for them. And, um, you know, here we go. Here's uh, my three things with OKC that are going uh, going for them, going in the right direction for them. So the first one is they have a guy who is considered a potential, you know, superstar starting building block piece, which is Shy Julius Alexander, who... Shai has been one of the better players in the NBA for the last um, year or so and has been increasing, increasingly getting better and better uh, as he goes. He averages 23, 6 assists, and almost 5 rebounds. So 
he's someone who has one more year before his um, max rookie contract could potentially be available, and most likely that's where it'll go. They'll give him that. So, shy. that's number one. Number two is the fact that they have little to no cap space. Most of their guys outside of Al Horford are either veteran minimums or minimum contracts of some kind or rookie deals. You have Myers Leonard, who's a one-year. He's a veteran uh, contract. Darius Miller, same thing. Uh, I think Justin Jackson, same thing. TJ Leaf is, I believe, still on his rookie contract. Um, but he won't get that much anyways. Then there is uh, Gabriel Deck, who's, uh, I guess, signed for a few years. I don't really know anything about him. They got Tony Bradley, who's got, I believe, a qualifying offer um, right there. And so, um, you know, that's something. Shadjelis Alexander obviously is, um, you know, someone who, uh, you know, still is um, on his contract. Same with Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome bunch of other guys so you know there's that and then third and more importantly they have a ton of draft picks and we don't have to go into all the details on every single draft pick because it's just a lot and last I checked 17 first round picks and 17 second round picks although I think um, they're actually now at 16 first round picks and 18 second round picks because the uh, OKC Golden State, um, the Kelly Oubre trade, that first round pick was top 20 protected, which means now um, Golden State keeps their first, and the Minnesota second round pick they got from the Wiggins deal goes in its place to Oklahoma City. So I believe it's now 16 first round picks and um, 18 second round picks. But either way, they got a ton. And many of those picks um, are potentially Houston picks, potentially Miami picks and Clippers picks so there is a ton of draft picks to to go around and we specifically are going to be looking at this year because Houston which is one of the worst teams in the NBA as well could potentially lose out on a top 10 pick and could potentially get a pick in the 20s because of um, a pick swap situation which basically OKC will get two first round picks and then Houston will get one first-round pick. Miami gets nothing. But if the Houston Rockets pick is um, top three, then Houston gets to keep the pick. But if it is below the top three, or it might be top four protected, if it's below that, then the Houston pick is available to be swapped, and Oklahoma City would most likely swap their uh, Houston pick with Houston for a Miami pick. So Miami pick, which is somewhere in the 22 to 27 range, would go to Houston, and Houston's top 10 pick and OKC's top 10 pick would go to OKC, which if, for example, we see the Oklahoma City Thunder get the first pick and they had Cade Cunningham, who could be the next uh, superstar, uh, we could have him and Shy Jillies Alexander together, then they would have a pick, let's just say it's number six or number five, going to OKC as well, where they could draft someone who's, you know, a big or some other, you know, position that they could use, and then they can set themselves up with success. So you could easily see, you know, the Oklahoma City Thunder adding in two very good picks this year, and those turn out to be great players. You have Shadjelis Alexander. 
then you have enough cap space under your books where you could, in theory, A, down the line, trade for a superstar and sign a superstar. And so you'd have Shadjelis Alexander, two guys from this year's draft on rookie contracts, plus you would have a free agent who you sign who's like a superstar, plus you trade away like a bunch of draft picks, more so than any than you need to, just to get someone in there and you have a pretty legitimate starting five with Shy and you have um, your two draft choices from this year's draft plus you know some other superstars and then then OKC could be a legitimate team and they basically traded away their whole you know core last year outside of Shy just to get this deal to work right they traded away a bunch of different players to do it and that situation is uh, working well and also you know Throw this into perspective. When Shai Julius Alexander's contract um, extension is coming up, which will be in 2022-2023, Al Horford will have, I think, either a player option or a team option by that point. So he could potentially be off of your books, and Shai Julius Alexander could be taking that money. You know, 2022-2023, Horford is about $26 million, and you could just slide in uh, Shadjelis Alexander at that 26, maybe a little bit more than that, 28 million number, and he'd still be, you know, it'd still be a good situation because you'd have one max contract there, and you could still add two more um, because the rest of their team is basically n there's no money, so you're looking at a great situation. Like next year, they'll be at 55 million guaranteed, and most of that's Al Horford, and in theory, because you have so many extra draft picks, you could. Trade away Al Horford to a team with a lot of cap space, and you could throw a pick their way, right? Let's say Dallas doesn't have the greatest offseason. You could trade away Al Horford to Dallas, throw a first-round pick at them, because they do uh, have uh, 2021 and 2023 first-round picks going to um, New York. You could give them a 2023 first-round pick from someone, and... You know, you could add in Al Horford going there. And, you know, Porzingis and Al Horford are both decent shooters and both guys who stretch the floor. And if you have that with Luka and, you know, the rest of your core, it could be a good thing in Dallas. And then you would open up even more cap space here in OKC where you could sign Shy Julius Alexander and you could sign some free agents or trade for some guys and make it work. So, to be honest, um, it's a pretty good situation in OKC. Because of the fact that they got a shit ton of draft picks, you know, it just makes for a great situation. They got a pick from Miami uh, or Houston, and then they have their own first-round pick. You know, they have a Phoenix um, first-round pick, which the way they're going, 2022 first-round pick for Phoenix is going to convey. Um, they have a Miami um, one right here, which is a 2023 uh, first-round pick from... Miami, they also have one from the Clippers in 2022, a first-round pick unprotected. The Miami pick um, is uh, protected for selections 1 through 14, all the way up until 2026 when it is unprotected, which means I'm sure Miami is going to give this pick in its first uh, 2023 installment, but you never know. Then they have a pick from Denver, which... Um, it's basically going to be uh, 1 through 14 in 2023, all the way uh, up until 2025, in which case it will become two second-round picks in 25 and 26 going to OKC. That's probably going to be a first-round pick that conveys because Denver is just a great team as it is. 
You got pick swaps from the Clippers. You got a 2024 first round pick from Houston, which is protected through um, one through four. If it does not convey, then it becomes second round picks in 2024 and 2025. So you're getting a lot there. Um, my assumption is Houston by that point probably won't be a one through four pick, but you don't know um, how it goes. They also have a pick from Philly, which is uh, 2025 uh, selection, one through six protected, 2025, um, 2026, one through four protected, 2027, one through four protected. And if it has not conveyed by then, it will become a 2027 second round pick, which it's probably going to become a first round pick anyways. And there's just a bunch of picks. Um, 2026 is Houston, uh, top four uh, protected, which you got to feel bad for Houston. They're a team that's going to have to try and compete for the lottery, be the number one overall pick. But um, if things don't go their way, the ping pong balls don't fall, you could see Houston having you know, picks in the five, six, seven range that are going all the way to OKC. And it's just a trade they made for Chris Paul and Westbrook a while back. It's it's something, right? Um, and besides all the first, they got a shit ton of second round picks uh, all around. And so they're looking like a great team. And, you know, it's just a great situation for the Thunder, uh, for sure. Um, and so uh, that's where... They are. And then the final team we're going to look at, we're going to look at uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls, who at this point have um, a little bit of an identity crisis, um, in my opinion. So for the Chicago Bulls, they are currently in a tough spot because they added Vucevic at the deadline. He is 24 points, 11 rebounds. He's a legitimate star. Zach Levine, 27 Points, five rebounds, five assists, legitimate star. And then you got a bunch of young guys and role players. You have, you know, Thaddeus Young and Sadoransky, who are both good role players. You got Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and Laurie Markton, who are great young guys. And so, obviously, you have a lot of different situations you're going to have to deal with. Um, you know, Markton's a free agent. I'm assuming you'll resign him. So he's your starting power forward. Patrick Williams would be your starting shooting guard. And then they have Zach Levine and Kobe White, who kind of both play the shooting guard, despite um, kind of one of them having to be a point guard, even though they're not. Um, so what is uh, going to take place now for uh, their team? Because of the, the trade involving the Bulls um, and uh, the Vucevic-Orlando side of things, they're most likely going to lose out on a first-round pick. They got two of them. I think it's 21 and 23 that are going to be going to... Um, Orlando if uh, the ping pong balls fall the right way and so you have that situation um, which is probably going to take place and then you have to worry about the fact that you don't have a good starting point guard because Kobe White and Zach Levine both play the shooting guard position now if it was me I would trade Kobe White to um, trade him to uh, New Orleans and get Lonzo Ball back in a sign and trade um, situation there and if you have to throw in one of your larger contracts to make this work, um, you could, um, or you could just waive, I think you could waive, um, you know, Sadoransky and open up some money there, um, but um, you could just, you know, try and trade Thaddeus Young or Sadoransky or Aminu alongside Kobe White to get uh, Lonzo uh, money to match, because he is a good starting point guard, they had interest at the deadline, um, and 
last season. So he's a point guard they could go out and potentially get. They had interest in Kemba. Maybe they go out and get Kemba if, um, let's say, you trade away Kobe White and Thaddeus Young. And, you know, you trade away uh, Sadoransky and you get Romeo Lankford, Kemba Walker, or whatever. And you try and see if that helps. Um, I don't know. But they do need a point guard. And I think um, Zach Levine and Kobe White aren't really point guards. They're shooting guards. And so... I think that's kind of what they should try and focus on this offseason. Obviously, um, they're um, not the greatest team. They're uh, number 11 in the Eastern Conference, meaning that they're, you know, at a year or so they could be better, but they're not great. Um, obviously, there's a much worse group underneath. And so for the Bulls, I think, you know, they are have a big identity crisis because we don't really know what they're going to do. They got a lot of young guys. They could trade those for another star to go along with Vucevic and Levine, or they could keep those guys um, together, and they could um, try that. Don't be surprised if Bradley Beal is someone that they potentially go after, because if you have Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, and Vucevic, that's a pretty good group. You'd have to throw in Patrick Williams. Um, you'd probably have to throw in, if you do sign and trade, um, marketing, Kobe White, um... A bunch of those guys, or all those guys, might have to go into a deal if that's kind of where you're going. Um, I don't know if they are actually going to go after him, but they could. You could go after someone like Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood or, um, you know, one of those guys. Um, and it might cost you a little bit, but it could work. Um, so I guess um, we'll have to see what the Bulls do. But if, you know, you're looking at their salary uh, cap situation... For uh, the future, obviously, um, outside of outside of uh, this uh, season, um, they could they have guaranteed ninety six million uh, next year, and like I said, Markadin's a free agent, and then you go to the following year, 2023, The only contracts on the books uh, is Vucevic, who makes twenty two million, and then you have Patrick Williams and Kobe White, who have team options. You'll accept those most likely. And then, you know, that's that's where they're at. Um, at that point, they'll obviously have Markadin's new contract. Um, so they will have enough cap space. Um, also, Zach Levine is a free agent. At that point, you'll have to sign him. But Thaddeus Young, Tom, Thomas Sadoransky, Al Farouk Aminu are all free agents, and they'll be gone off your books. So assuming that Markadin gets, like, $15 million a year, you have Kobe White and Patrick Williams, and you sign Zach Levine to, like, the same $20 million contract, there might be enough room to add another, you know, star talent player in there if that's what you're looking to do. Um, I don't know if they are, but you never know. And then by that point, Vucevic could be off your books and you could have um, Patrick Williams, Kobe White, uh, Zach Levine, Lloyd Markton in their, you know, prime. And then you could have Vucevic, who's a free agent, and that's $22 million in open cap space right there. Um you know, and you could add someone in that sense, or you could even just, in 2022, 2023, not add anyone else, big name, and then wait until the following season, and just kind of have a bunch of open cap space to add some other star, whoever that may be, so, the Chicago Bulls are also in a tough spot, because we don't really know what they're going to do, obviously, they're trying to win if they go out there and add in Vucevic, um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And we're kind of just, you know, seeing what uh, what the deal is at this point. 
So uh, yeah, that's uh, that is uh, that one. 